I delivered a lesson on Noah, and we talked about the fact that Noah is an example of perseverance. You guys remember that? Yeah. And I said I was going to do uh, another lesson this week uh, in the same vein, uh, but that we'd be looking at a female. And so you guys already see that I'm keeping my word on what I said. But I'm doing this because I believe that one of the reasons we're not growing spiritually as we should is that we don't have good role models or we don't see good role models. Now, there are plenty of them physically among us, but because our focus is not out in the spiritual as it should be, we miss seeing good Christian brothers and sisters who are setting good examples for us. So I want to highlight some individuals from the scriptures. Uh, and then hopefully that will cause us to lower our eyesight and see faithful brothers and sisters right among us. Some of us uh, do not come from family situations where we have the kind of Christian support that we need. As a matter of fact, we come from family situations where we have a whole lot of obstacles, hardships, and, and you're, you're fighting all week with folk. You're struggling all week with folk, and so we miss the kind of tranquility, the kinds of things that Brother Dave was talking about this morning in uh, the Bible lesson about love. And that's why some of you have these issues with loving folk that don't treat you the way you want to be uh, treated. That's just a given. Okay. Do the folk on your job treat you the way you want to be treated? You go to a job to get a paycheck. Now, if you can keep that in mind, you can get along with anybody on your job. When you lose perspective of that, you lose the ability to take care of yourself. So when I, when I come to worship on Sunday, I come to worship God. And I cannot worship God without being in good relationship with you all. Now, you don't have to be my best buddy. But there can't be no alt against one another. And, and when, we, when we understand that as we mature and grow in Christ, there will be people that you get along with real good. And there'll be people that you don't get along with real good, but you don't have to fuss and argue with them. There'll be people that you're going to form wonderful relationships with like they your kinfolk. And then there'll be folk uh, at the church building that you form relationships like the folk on your job. You get along with them because we work together in a common uh, situation and we all want to be productive because we all want to get our paycheck. Now, come on, tell the truth. You work to get paid. You volunteer for pleasure. Okay, some of you get that a little bit later. And, and, so, and so today I want to look at uh, someone from the New Testament. Noah's in the Old Testament. And we learned a whole lot of good information about Noah. But I'm going to look at somebody who was a Christian. Uh, someone who went through situations like many, like many of us today but who was still faithful, who was still focused, and who God was the center of her life in spite of other things that she was involved in. And I need for us to understand more and more we, we are allowing the distractions of the world to have our full attention. And we only want to give God a few hours on Sunday. Something wrong with that. The folk on your job didn't create you. They don't sustain your life. When you are sick or in the hospital, you don't call the folk on your job for deliverance or for relief. As a matter of fact, they stress you out. When, you, when, 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 when the illness comes along, sickness comes, you call on Jesus. And so let's not let the only time we call on him be when we need something or when we're in distress. 
And, and so I think that these examples, uh, these Christian examples that we're going to be looking at, help us to begin to understand that throughout the issues of life, you can still be faithful. Now, faithfulness based on what God says, not the world's definition of faithfulness. Amen. And I'm going to expose a little bit of that, hopefully, in today's, in today's lesson. Our text comes from Romans chapter 16, just two verses. So you guys know this won't be a long lesson, hopefully. Chapter 16, verse number one says, I commend to you Phoebe, our sister, who is a servant of the church in Sincrea. I heard uh, Xavier's translation, you guys did too. But the word we need is servant. That you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper or supporter of many and of myself also. I want to use as a subject uh, for this lesson, Phoebe, a Christian in a first century professional working woman. <laughs> and what I want to do here is to help, help you sisters to understand you can be a professional working woman, Amen. but you're still a Christian. Amen. And the Christian needs to be on the front end, not on the back end. But what I also want to do is help some of us brothers to understand the same thing. You can be a Christian, professional, working man, but make sure the Christian is there first and not on the backside. Because in our contemporary world, that's what's happening. We don't understand. You're a Christian first. I ain't getting an amen on them. You and I are Christians first, and then we are whatever our professional uh, activity or titles are, which means I'm a Christian even on my job. Now, I'm not involved in Bible study. We're not involved in worship on the job, but I honor God on my job. Amen. And I don't act one way on the job and an entirely different way on Sunday in church services. And most congregations today, women outnumber men. And I know I hadn't said anything that you don't already know there. But I need to say that to help set the stage for what we're going to talk about. Uh, uh, women outnumber the number of men in most congregations. Now, that's not a bad thing. That's an asset. And I hope we start seeing that as an asset because it is how we look at that situation that's going to determine how productive a local congregation is. We've got to learn how to work with the people who show up, Amen. not the people we want to be there. Amen. I need first to also understand, even though women outnumber the number of men in the church of Christ, can't speak for any other religious group, but in the church of Christ, women do not lead the church. Amen. And some of you become members of the church of Christ, and you come from religious groups where women ran the church. They, they were the pastor. They were the, the treasurer. Uh, they ran all of the administrative positions there. I need for you to understand that's not how God has set up his church to operate. I, I recognize that there are churches out there where women run everything not in the church of Christ. And we need to understand that that's done because that's what God said. It had nothing to do with no church vote. Uh, God did that. Now, we need to also recognize that in the history of the church and even in the ministry of Jesus, women have always been there, Amen. even when men were cowards. Amen. 
and more concerned about their own well-being, women were there supporting Jesus and, and his work. And we got to be honest about that. And, and you see the same thing today when it comes to worship assembly. Who's here? And who's here on time? For the most part, is women. Who is more willing to open up their home for fellowship? Who's more willing to sacrifice to get involved in ministry and things like that? It's women. And so, brothers, we can learn something from our sisters if we put ego aside. So women have always served in responsible roles in the ministry of Jesus and the church. You remember in Acts chapter 8, there were a group of women who traveled with Jesus, and, and they supported his ministry out of their own personal funds. In Acts, uh, Acts chapter 9, verses 36 to 42, you have the woman Dorcas, or Tabitha, who the text would say was full of good works and charitable deeds. So even when she died, there were widows who came showing the dresses and other things that she had made on their behalf. And then in Acts chapter 16, you got Lydia, the seller of purple. And purple wasn't cheap even back then. And the text would say after she, she and the household are converted, she invited the apostles to come and dwell at her house. So I, so I need for us to understand, women have always been there actively involved. And we need to be thankful for that. And we need to make sure she still is actively involved in the local congregation today in ways that honor God. Christian women occupy many roles in the church and in the work world. Much of what we do at the Bedford Street Church of Christ would not be done if it were not for faithful sisters. Now, you may not know that because you focus more on the worship service. But when it comes to the operation of our congregation, sisters are at the backbone of it. And we ought to be thankful to God for their faithfulness and their willingness to be used by God. Well, when you think of today's Christian woman, what do you think about? I need to just share just a few things to, with you. First of all, uh, today's Christian woman is different than your mother or grandmother. Today's Christian woman can, has come along at a different time in the history of our uh, world and even in the history of our congregation. She's different. She's grown up in a world where she has been encouraged to be more independent than women in ages, well, I shouldn't say ages, but in years past. <laughs> And so that thinking is going to cause her to respond and look at things differently than her mother or grandmother. Today's Christian woman is not so husband hungry that she's going to marry anything that comes along in pants. In, in days past, uh, women were encouraged to marry more so than to get education or even get a job. And, and so, but you had men who were different, who would take care of a woman. Uh, today, you don't necessarily have that. You got men who want a woman to take care of them. And, and, and so it, it's just a matter, it's, it's a different age, it's a different time, and we need to be realistic about it. Today's Christian woman is well-educated. Uh, now, brothers, we got a delivery man out front. So, Devin, when he comes, if you handle that. So today's Christian woman is well-educated. Uh, and the reality is many times she's better educated than her husband or boyfriend. Now that's going to present some challenges. 
Okay, let me go a step further. Many times she's better educated than the church leaders that lead her. Now, that's going to present some problems if you want a docile, dependent woman who knows much about leadership and education as you do, who, as a matter of fact, knows more about it. I just need for us to think about that. It's a different time. It's a different age. Today's Christian woman is more likely to work outside of the home than she is to work inside of the home. And even if she's a mother, child care, and she goes to work, her outside job may be as demanding as that of her husband and boyfriend. I need to think about it. She may be a big wig on her job and has greater responsibility and authority on her job than a husband does. Uh, she may be somebody who's running a company who has more leadership experience than the church leaders. Those are going to present some challenges, not challenges that can't be dealt with, but, but you got to be a church leader, a man, who's confident of who he is, who doesn't let his ego be getting messed up. Today's Christian woman is more likely to bring home the bacon and fry it too. She's making more money than he does, and she's still taking care of household responsibilities. And she's still a Christian on top of that. It is a recognition of where we are. And, and as we have seen these changes go on in, in, the, in the culture around us, unfortunately, we have not necessarily changed how we see things in the local congregation, which is why there's such conflict and unrest, and you have people wanting to put women in roles that God didn't ordain them for. And we have brothers who are so insecure, they don't understand you're, you're, the average sister is better qualified to do some of the stuff we do in the church than the brothers we use. I think I said something there. And so I think it's important that we look at someone from Scripture who can help, help us navigate through these changes. And I don't think there's anyone any better than Phoebe because Phoebe had a relationship with the man. Uh, the apostle that we think about, and that's, that's Paul. And when you see how Paul views her in the text, you have to know Paul wasn't insecure. He wasn't threatened by Phoebe. And he saw her as a fellow worker. He saw her as a Christian, someone who was a co-laborer working with him for the cause of Christ. And if we can get to the point where we see that, uh, then we won't have these issues. We won't have these territorial kinds of things. Because it's about if we're Christians, then we're all going to fall in line with the directions God has given us. We don't need to throw that up in people's faces. And so our text says, or Paul says here, I commend to you Phoebe. She's our sister who is a servant of the church of Sincrea. And so Paul helps us to understand who Phoebe is. I went back and did a little research just so you guys know I study. Her, her name means bright and radiant. And you can almost see that just from the reading of what Paul says about her. Bright and radiant. 
He says she's our sister. She's a faithful Christian woman. He says she is a servant. A servant is a worker in the local congregation. All of us ought to be servants. All of us who are Christians ought to be workers in the local congregation. You come up in here on Sunday to worship, but it shouldn't stop at worship. You ought to want to be a worker for the Lord. You guys remember that song, I want to be a worker for the Lord? And so that means I get involved in ministry, and sitting on a pew on Sunday morning is not ministry. We come to worship God, to magnify, to lift up God, to sing about how awesome he is. And if he's really all that awesome in our lives, then you and I ought to want to do something for him. So Paul gives us, or he commends to us, Phoebe. He says she's our sister in Christ, and she's a worker. I need for you to understand, in the first century, women served in the areas of taking care of the sick, helping the poor, working with the imprisoned, teaching women, and teaching children, which is what we read about in Titus chapter 2. So women have always been there doing church work. And we need to understand that that church work is more than fixing communion and being in the nursery, changing the diapers of children. There is a place for that, but she has been equipped to do so much more. And we ought to want to see every Christian, male or female, rise to their full potential in Christ. He further goes on to say that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. Receive her. Paul says you receive Sister Phoebe, this servant Phoebe, just like you would receive any male worker. You guys hear that? So you treat her just like you would anybody, any male who's traveling into Rome. Because in many instances, that's where we sometimes miss the mark. We want to treat all the brothers with esteem. But what about this faithful Christian woman who comes along? Paul says, you help her in any way that she needs in Rome. Phoebe was a businesswoman. She's in Rome to take care of some business. And Paul says, as she's in your city, you help her church folk with whatever she needs in Rome. You guys know how it is. When you go to a, a new place, uh, you're traveling somewhere, you don't know nobody there, you don't know the layout of the land. And, and what better, better way to do this thing than to get connected with a local congregation? You ought to have some people there who are willing to help this person get settled. Okay, said differently. Uh, when when, when uh, Christian parents send their children to Boston to go to college, they ought to be able to identify a local congregation that will help their child transition in this new area. And, and somebody at the local congregation ought to care enough to go pick up that child from college and get them the worship service. And not say, well, you know, we got, we got to train, and they'll come to, uh, not Ashmont Station, but they'll come wherever, and, and, and they can do all that. What's wrong with you taking your car, go picking them up from college, bring them to worship, and then give them a meal after church services? Wouldn't you want somebody to do that for your child if they were in another state going to school and they didn't know anybody? It was, oh, the leaders ought to do that. No, the members ought to do that. And I believe somebody like Phoebe would. 
He says, receive her in whatever way there's a need, because she's in a strange place and she has to conduct business. So help her get around. Help her, help her in whatever capacity that she needs. And, and then Paul gives her, really, these two verses, really a letter of reference. He says, I commend you. Lays out her qualifications. He did the same thing for Apollos and Titus. There are times, well, no, let me back up. Uh, you old timers will remember there was a time when people relocated to a new state or whatever, the local church sent a letter to the congregation where they were going to be attending to say, this is a faithful brother, this is a faithful sister, and blah, 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 help them or accept them into the family of, of, of God there. See, that's a tradition we really need to get back. Because some of these folks who show up at your congregation are devils in disguise. And you don't think you're getting a blessing because you're getting two or three new members. You just don't know they created hell where they came from. And them folks glad they gone. And so if we had something in writing or we had a reference or we get a church leader's name or a phone number, then we can go by and just like you do for those of you who hire people, you check references. You don't hire anybody without talking to somebody who knows them better than you do. Now, why is it we can be that diligent on our job? In the church house, we just careless. And we wonder why we have such, uh, such church turmoil and difficulty. We, we just don't do the basic kinds of things. I am thankful that Paul felt the need to send something uh, that instructed the, the Christians at Rome. This is a faithful sister. She got some business she's going to take care of in Rome, and I'm asking you guys to help her in whatever it, it is she needs help with. And then Paul goes on to say, a sister in whatever business she has need of, for indeed she has been a helper of many in a mice self also. The word helper can be also translated supporter. Paul says, Phoebe has made a difference in my ministry. Here's the Apostle Paul, globetrotter, a church planner, saying, here's a sister who has helped me out to do the things I'm, I have done. Many times we forget you are where you are in your ministry because the other folk help you to get there. You didn't do it all yourself. And so I'm thankful that Paul shows us the way. Don't be afraid to list folk who are assets to your ministry. And really, if you look at all of chapter 16, he lists a whole bunch of folk that were involved, instrumental, helpful in his ministry. But Paul says she made a difference. Uh, she's a businessman. So probably she's helped them financially. There are some occupations that we get involved in that give us greater access to certain things that we can use as a blessing for other folk. You business folk who are making $100,000, $200,000 a year, you are in a good place to bless the church and individuals struggling financially. Those of you who got technical experience in whatever area you are technical, technically trained, you're in a position to help us. You got any professional teachers up in here? They ought to be the main folk teaching in our Bible class. You got medical personnel up in here? You ought to be the main people staffing our health and wellness ministry. And the list goes on and on. 
You, you got people who are security, uh, people who work uh, security, the policemen, all that kind of stuff. When we talk about church security, you ought to be jumping at the line. You do it all, five days a week. So think about what it is you do professionally. How is the church receiving any benefit from that? You are here at the Bedford Street Church of Christ to be an asset to bring those professional skills you have to help us. You're an administrator on your job, and you've considered yourself to be a top-notch administrator. Well, we got some ministry roles where we're looking for ministry leaders. Bring those administrative skills to help bless our ministries. And the list goes on and on. You got some bus drivers up in here, Uber drivers, Lyft drivers. We got a transportation ministry we need to staff. You drive all week long. You ought to be volunteering to pick up people for worship services and for Bible classes since you do it for a living. And God's blessed you to have, hopefully, a safe driving record. (laughs) So, so, So Phoebe helps us understand, use whatever God has blessed you with for the advancement of the kingdom. Learn how to serve in the areas you're already blessed in. So these are things we do already. You don't, you're not doing anything different. You're just simply now bringing those skills to help be, build the, up the local congregation. You want to talk about having fulfillment? When you know you have made a difference, you feel good about that. And it starts with fulfilling those roles that you already are in that God has already blessed you to be in. We learn from history that Phoebe delivered the letter to the Roman congregation. Now, Paul had to trust her to let her be the male man or the male woman in this case. You don't give your valuable papers to just anybody. So she had to be trustworthy for Paul to entrust her with this letter that was designed to be given and read to the church at Rome. She had to be someone who understood the power of the word. This was a letter from the Apostle Paul that's written to be given to the church at Rome. So she had to understand how important that was. So she didn't take a a detour on the way to Rome and say, I'll get there eventually. They they can wait on Paul's letter. You guys know how you're given a task. Well, it's really not due to next Sunday, so I can wait till Saturday to do it. And you guys know what happens when you wait to the last moment to do stuff. Everything seems to go wrong. Car won't start up. You're not feeling well. It's raining on that day. And the list goes on and on. And the thing that you had seven days to do doesn't get done. And then you want to acknowledge it didn't get done because you were lazy. It it didn't get done because you didn't consider it a priority. You just felt I can do it at the last moment. Uh, But I'm thankful you understood this. I'm thankful she, she was a sister who was comfortable with handling church business. Praise the Lord. Because some of us are not comfortable nor competent to handle church business. You want to be involved in handling church business so you can know what's going on, so you can gossip about it. But not handle that information in the appropriate manner. That's why when, whenever there's discussion going on and you've got to know what's going on, but you're not involved in making anything happen, why do you need to know? Now, if you're going to do something, you've shown dependability, then maybe 
But we need to recognize everybody here is not granted access to the same amount of information. So don't get your feelings hurt when something is happening and you don't know anything about it. You need to recognize, are, are, are you a leader here? Amen. That's the first question. If you're not, then that's probably why you don't know. Do you regularly attend? So the Sunday you weren't here, that may have been when this was announced. So she was comfortable handling church business. And we need sisters and brothers who are comfortable and competent to handle church business. Because there's going to be stuff that you are exposed to, that you hear, that you learn when you deal with church business that's not for the faint-hearted. It's not for the faint-hearted. Uh, it's not for people who cannot uh, deal with surprises or people not being consistent in, in what they say and what they do. And when, and when you start getting involved in church business, you start learning, you know, People are good talkers, but they're not good doers. And you got to hear that and have access to that and not let it affect how you treat people. And for some of us, we can't handle that. Some of that, you hear people have done this and whatnot, and you're looking at them strange every time they come through the door. Well, what can a Christian woman do uh, in the church today? She can do whatever God has gifted her to do. God is not going to gift a, a, a sister to do something that he's already forbidden her to do. So sisters in the Church of Christ do not preach. You're not going to see a, a sister in our worship services getting up preaching. You're not going to see a sister in the Church of Christ serving as an elder or deacon. Because she's not given that, that opportunity scripturally. Doesn't mean she can't get up and read a scripture and put together a Bible lesson and all that. That's why we have a ladies' Bible class. That's why we have a ladies' day program. We have a ladies' retreat where women can exercise their gifts in an environment that is appropriate. So what can a Christian woman do in the church? Whatever her spiritual passions lead her to do. Now, hear me, whatever her spiritual passion, which means whatever the Holy Spirit Amen. is leading her. There's a difference between the Holy Spirit and your spirit. And a lot of people want to do things based on their spirit, not the Holy Spirit. We are a spiritual institutions, so the things that we do here are things that we're led to do based on the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And that's why we are different from some of these other groups with things that they do, because they have no scripture for it, and they definitely have no Holy Spirit leading them to do it. They do it because it's expedient, and that's what the people there want. Well, what can a Christian woman do in the church? Whatever uh, that, that she can do that does not cause her to lead men. First Timothy chapter 2 has much to say about women leading men in the worship, in, in, in the church house. And so that's why even when we have women who are ministry leaders, I appreciate uh, the way they interact with men. I, I appreciate the respect that's still there, even though that sister may be leading this ministry. I appreciate how she interacts with the other men in ministry responsibilities or even in meetings where there's respect. 
What can a Christian woman do in the church? She can serve wherever she's needed. Now, I say this because we, we got some sisters, e- even though we have told them when it comes to moving stuff here at the building, picking up stuff here, the brothers in the building and the grounds will do it. But we got these sisters, they, they just uh, so energetic, they have pick up tables and pick up chairs, and they don't wait on a, wait on a brother. And every now and then, these sisters, we got to tell you, wait on us. That's our responsibility to do that. I know sometimes we trifling and, and we don't do it timely because that's why you do it because you got some trifling brother who won't do it. But, but, but be patient with us. We'll get around to it. Yeah, we'll, we'll get around to it. And if he's too slowful, talk to another leader and we'll light a fire and let us light a fire under him and not you. So a Christian woman can serve wherever she's needed. And that's why I appreciate when we have uh, activities here, or we're putting together programs, we get a lot of you sisters. that just You're the first ones to volunteer. I'm hoping a brother will volunteer, but, but uh, <laughs> you guys are the first ones. Man, we, we, need, we need to prioritize the church and spiritual activities. And you don't know what what difference it makes in the life of your wife and your children when they see you up front. Not you being passive and waiting for her to nudge you. And I need to drop this because with some of us, with some of the the men in our congregation, I know your wife led you to Jesus. And that's wonderful. That's great. But there ought to come a time after she's led you to Jesus, when you've been studying and growing, you now know how to lead her. And if you don't know, get with another brother who can help you to understand what male leadership in the home looks like. Because it's not designed to be passive. It's not designed for you to just sit around and wait for your wife to always tell you what you got to do. See, when you get in, in, in that fix, then the same thing has to happen at the church building. We got to tell you constantly. There's a piece, a piece of paper uh, right by your foot. Why should I have to come along and tell you to pick it up? Right. You're not blind. We got children running around here uh, out of control. You know, you're not their father, but you are a male. Can't you say something to them? Don't you think they'll uh, respect you and follow your direction? In the springtime and summer, when we have the children outside on the playground, it'd be nice to see a brother out there beyond just sisters out there supervising the children. Because some of them are yours, aren't they? (laughs) (laughs) And if you get tired of supervising, sit on the bench. We got some benches that have been provided. Sit on the bench and watch. And leave your cell phone alone. Be present with your children. Now, Phoebe is an excellent example of a Christian professional woman who loves God, who's involved in ministry, and who understands how to incorporate her professional life into her church life. Now, I need to just say this because uh, uh, I've seen some trends that are troubling me. 
So let me just share uh, a couple of things, a few things here, uh, and then we'll, we'll eventually end the lesson. So, so, so one of these things is uh, I'm hearing college folk act like when they go to college, they can't serve God and go to college at the same time. Something wrong with that. There's something wrong with parents who allow that thinking to go on with your children. You're in school at college just like you are in public school, Monday through Friday. There's a weekend that comes up. On Sunday, it ought to already be prioritized for God. It doesn't matter what tests you got, what papers do, what midterm you got. Because you knew all that before Sunday came. I'm troubled by young professional people who volunteer for every opportunity to make overtime and double time, triple time, whatever it is they offer you on your job. Regardless of how it's going to impact your spirituality. Regardless of whether you're not going to be able to go to worship because you're picking up extra hours. I'm troubled uh, by young people, even in in elementary, high school, whatever, where where you will miss an opportunity to be at worship or Bible study because your child waited until the last moment to do their assignment. I've said it before, they need to get an F. You need to start showing your children what's important. They knew a month ago about this assignment. They waited until the last moment. And they wonder why our children aren't spiritual. Look, look at what we're always allowing them to get away with. We focus more on the secular education than we do on spiritual education. Your child, children can tell us a whole lot about algebra, geometry, and history, and all. can't tell us nothing about the Bible. Now, if that's happening when they're young, imagine how that's going to translate when they get older. Imagine how that's going to translate when they get out of college and they get their professional careers going on. There will always be something that comes before committing themselves to God. I'm troubled by folk who want to get their mansion on the east side, but who who don't understand, okay, if you move way over yonder and you want to be a part of this congregation, you got to sacrifice to get here. Okay, I think I said something. So you want to be a part of the Bedford Street Church of Christ in Abington, and you live 50 miles from here. Guess what that means? You got to drive 50 miles to get here. And there's, I don't have no gas. I, I got to deal with traffic. Well, that's the consequence of you moving 50 miles from here or you live in 50 miles from you factor all that in, in there if you want to be faithful. It troubles me uh, when I see professional folk who, you know, I worked hard all year, and it's, I, I gotta have a vacation. I, I, I'm doing vacation, uh, you know, I deserve it, and all that kind of stuff. That's fine, but make sure you can pay for your vacation without robbing God. Well, I make up for it when my income tax comes. Liar, liar, your pants on fire. <laughs> that has been said many times to our finance committee when people get behind on their pledges. Well, I make it up when my income, t- income tax comes and you say nothing. I'm troubled by young professional people, male and females. Uh, you get your education, you get this good job, and you meet him or her. And now him or her become more important than the connection you had with God. So him or her can want to do whatever they want to do on Sundays and Wednesdays, and you're okay with it. 
Where's your commitment to God? See, if God sent a person in your life, they'll come to church services with you. I'm going to say that again. If God sent a person in your life, they'll come to church services with you. Now, if the devil sent them, they still may come once or twice. And then after they've been here once or twice, then they'll no longer be available. See, you can be a Christian professional and still be faithful to God. That's the message we need to help our young adults to understand. And stop catering to them when they come up with all these excuses about what they can't do, I don't have time. Tell them about your experiences. That you worked nine to five and you got here on Wednesday night for a Bible study. Even if it meant coming and you didn't have dinner, you came on here and then you went home and had dinner or you went by McDonald's or whatever your favorite place was on the way here and ate in the car. Tell them, even though you've had these big assignments and things that you had to work on, at a certain point on Saturday, if you hadn't finished it, it's just going to get finished the next week. Because I'm not going to stay up all night on, on Saturday and then claim I'm too tired to come to worship service on Sunday. See, this is the kind of commitment that you got to have. Because if you start bringing other folk in your life while you wishy-washy, that's what they're going to expect, you to continue to be wishy-washy. And when all of a sudden you get religion and now you want to do right, now you're challenging the relationship because they've gotten used to Mr. and Miss Wishy-Washy. Well, let me move on. You guys are tired of that. <laughs> yeah, we're right on time. Okay, let me conclude. Let me conclude. I think you got the point here. There's some, there's some lessons I want us to take away from here, uh, male and female. First thing is that women have been gifted just like men. And I, and I say that so we begin to understand and appreciate the contributions that women make just like we appreciate the contributions that men make. And because many of us only show up here on Sunday, our focus is on preachers and song leaders and men officiating over the, over, over the service. And you don't recognize all the things that go on here past Sunday. Some of you ought to come out when you're off on Tuesday to the Tuesday Bible class. Because I know some of you are off on Tuesday. And some of you retired and you have nothing to do on Tuesday. Come on out and be a part of these activities. Just, just experience them every now and then. Some of you uh, who can't make it on Wednesday because you legitimately are working, well, what about when you're not working on Wednesday night? Well, what, what about that? Because you don't work every Wednesday. You take, when you take vacation, you're not working. And some of you take vacation and you stay home, the staycations. So what about when you take your staycation, you come on out to Bible class on Wednesday night? What about when we have an activities on Saturday or on Fridays and Saturdays? Why don't you prioritize that? We got a wonderful um, a couples min uh, marriage ministry that you guys have just sort of forgotten that we have a couples ministry. It is preventative medicine for your marriages because too many of you settle for half relationships. 
We got a growing singles ministry. Now, some of you feel like you're not single because you're dating somebody. You single until you say, I do. So come on out here and be in a spiritual environment and support the ministry. You may discover you like being there, and there may be a topic that goes on at this one that blesses your life. But brothers and sisters, women have been gifted just like men. And so I hope you guys value my role as a preacher, but I also value what the women do. We got some women right now who are conducting our children's church for us. You ought to be thankful for that, especially if you got a two, three, four-year-old who you know if they were sitting next to you, you couldn't worship because you're busily wrestling with them and trying to keep them. And we need to start being honest. When you're wrestling with a child throughout worship service, you're not worshiping. And we'll cheapen that and act like that's worship. You're distracted dealing with your child. There's nothing wrong with that. All of us were children at one point, and our parents had to deal with us. But you need to be able to worship God even beyond just dealing with your child. So appreciate the, the, the people who staff our children's church. Appreciate that so much so that you volunteer as a parent of a child who's down there every now and then. So you can bless somebody else just like you have been blessed. Women servants should be appreciated. For sure, I said amen. Hear amen on that. So we need to do things to show our sisters that we value their uh, their work, their uh, their perseverance, their commitment, just like we do our brothers. Now, for those for those of you who know me, uh, by now you know I don't believe in rewarding anybody who does nothing. So that's why sometimes you guys, well, why don't you call his name? Why don't you call her name? They don't do nothing. That's why I didn't. So if somebody's making a significant contribution, we're going to recognize them. And that's been part of our problem. We've been recognizing everybody who did nothing, and so it doesn't mean anything anymore. Because you just give everybody a track, or not a track, but a plaque, or an award, or something like that. But when you have real servants, people whose commitment is visible, you don't have to talk about it, you see it. Those people need to be thanked and appreciated. Professional women who are Christians can submit to godly leadership. And I appreciate uh, the professional women here who respect godly leadership. Because we've got a lot of them, and they do. And we will assume, because a woman asks a question, that she's out of her place. But she's asking a question because she wants to understand this decision you just made that doesn't make any sense. Well. <laughs> she, she's asking a question because you don't have any meetings where folk can ask questions. So she has to stop you when she sees you on Sunday and Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Professional folk need to understand what we're doing. Because they want to be able to put their whole heart into this. And part of being able to do that is you, you got to be clearing your mind of why this is important. Yesteryear, people just did things because you got up and said it. Today, you got to give a person a legitimate reason that makes sense. And if you can't do that, then you don't need to open up your mouth. And then, finally, 
let's, let's remember, as Paul says in the text, women and men are co-laborers in the Lord. We're not competitors. We're on the same team. We are co-workers. So everybody's opinions and thoughts and questions ought to be valued. And we ought not feel threatened because people ask a question or they disagree with you. That's life. So we, we ought to be able to disagree but not be disagreeable. We ought to be able to disagree and the decision doesn't go your way and you still fall in line. Because you have the satisfaction of knowing I was able to express my views and opinions, blah, blah, blah. I was heard, but, but the chips didn't fall my way. Because on your job, doesn't that, isn't that what happens? Decisions are made every day that you don't agree with. But you don't quit. You don't turn in your resignation. You suck it up and recognize I'm not in charge of the company. I'm not the CEO. I don't run stuff. And you have to be reminded, your job is whatever it is. And when people ask for your opinion, you give it. But when they don't ask for it, you keep it to yourself. And since men and women are co-laborers, brothers, we, we, we've got to learn how to handle uh, women asking us questions, a woman disagreeing with you without you feeling threatened. Or feeling like your manhood is threatened. That's an insecure brother who feels that way. That's a brother who's not fit for leadership who feels that way. Because when you look at who the majority of the folk are you're trying to lead, you need to recognize. So men won't ask you any questions because they don't want to do nothing. They don't want to do what they're told to do. They don't want to go to extra effort. I'm being real up in here. I've seen more brothers this year quit stuff than I've seen them step up for more responsibility. And the things they're quitting are not so earth-shattering that it's requiring 50 hours, uh, 50 hours of your time a week. It, just things that require you to be consistent and to make a commitment and to prioritize the things of the Lord. I am thankful that we have the example of Sister Phoebe. You Christian professional women, you need to be thankful for Phoebe. And, and look at how Paul treats her, how Paul talks about her. He talks about her in glowing terms. He commends her. He asks the church uh, that she's going to to help her carry out whatever business she has in this new city. And Paul even says, she has blessed my ministry. And whatever it is you can do to support her, you do that. Brothers, our sisters have ministry just like we do. They have calling on their life just like we do. And just like we want them to support us, we need to be willing to support them and not be threatened by that. And some of us need to recognize, you, you, and many times you get more work out of a sister than you do a brother. Now, I know some of you don't want me saying all this, but I'm telling the truth. And I'm trying to help our congregation. Because our best days are yet ahead. And we got to get some people who want to get on the good foot. You James Brown fans, you want to get on the good foot and serve God. And, and get out of this traditional kind of thinking that limits us to where we're going to always put a man up to do something, whether he's competent or not. That's just not happening here. 
And I hope we get to the point where we understand this so that when we get to the point where we no longer want to do what we've been asked to do, step down, resign. Save us the grief and hardship of having to ask you to step down because that creates tension right there. And people who are not involved are going, well, he doesn't like it. Oh, he doesn't like that. No, it has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with he's not doing the job he was supposed to do. I am concerned about the children in children's church, the children in our primary Bible classes, uh, preteens, the kind of spiritual examples they see. See, most of you in here, you've already made your mind what you're going to do. It doesn't matter what I say or any other preacher says. But we got some young, impressionable people who, if we want them to be faithful when they grow up, if we want them to be committed Christians when they go off to college or to whatever trade schools they go to, they got to see it right now. And so it's not about those of you who don't want to progress. It's about those of us who want to see a strong, solid congregation here after we dead and gone. Now, some of you are on your last leg right now. Let's be real. You're on your last leg right now. In the next 10 years, you're not going to be here. But where will our congregation be? In 10 years. We got to think about that now, not wait 10 years. When we're caught off guard and all of our young people have just fallen away because we never invested anything in them. So if I had a a young child, I wanted to meet some of these Christian professional people here at our congregation. I want them to see you can be a college student and still be faithful to God. You can be a graduate student and still be faithful to God. You can work five days a week or six days a week on whatever it is you do, but you can still be faithful to God. I'm thankful when Sebastian was in his formative years, we were at a congregation where there are faithful men and women that he could form relationships with. Because your child needs to see this in more than just you. That's why you ought to be concerned about what congregation you attend. But that's another lesson all in in itself. Because we look up and wonder what happened to our children, mm-hmm. but you didn't consider the environment you were putting them in. Mm-hmm. The environment just caught up with you. Yeah. I've said enough. And you guys got a fellowship meal waiting on you, so I know you're ready to eat. <laughs> you're a professional. You got a job. And you give it your best every day you go there. You're also a citizen of the kingdom. Are you giving God your best? Are you working as hard in the kingdom as you do for the company or the school that you attend or whatever business that you're involved in? You know the answer to that. God knows the answer to that. And if you're doing what you need to do, praise the Lord. But if you're not, today you need to repent. And I'm saying that because I'm looking at some folk who need to repent today. Now, whether or not you choose to publicly do that or not, that's on you. My job is simply to tell you what you need to know. And so whether or not you repent or not will also be visible in the the coming days, in the coming weeks. Will there be greater commitment or will you continue to linger on the fence? What I need for all of us to understand is faithfulness to God is determined and defined by him, not you, not your friends, not society. 
So far too long, we have considered ourselves faithful based on what other people say versus what God says. And I don't, I don't know about you guys. I don't want to meet God on my own opinion. <laughs> own opinions of others. I want to meet God uh, with the comfort level of knowing what I understood from Scripture. I tried my best to live it. I tried my best to live it. I didn't try and skate and, and dodge and all that kind of stuff. I tried my best to live what I knew. That's a part of being faithful. You may never know all the Bible, but are you faithful to that which you know? 